Hi all, it's Anna and Morella for Blooming Boomers Podcast. So today's guest is Mr. Ash Furry. Welcome. Hello, thank you very much for having me. And Mr. Hurry is in England. Yep. He's a manager of a self-storage company. He's also a film graduate and founder of Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. That's a podcast. That's right. And we'll post the link with the episode description, but when you have a chance, check it out. How did you get interested in films and your podcast and when and, you know, about that background? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always sort of been a cinephile, but I think it started a long time ago. I mean, when my dad was reading books, I was always interested in what he was reading. And when I was at school, I was reading these children's books and they didn't really do much for me. I mean, they were really quick and they had these generic characters and all of them are pretty much the same. And then I was introduced to fables, which is what my dad was usually reading. And I got interested in the idea of storytelling through that because just couldn't get my head around that the animals were the main characters because I didn't understand how that would work but as I read more fables I understood that it didn't really matter what the character was it was trying to portray a message and every fable had a moral at the end of it and I just found that amazing and then two three years later I watched the film and I understood the visual storytelling of the art of it and I couldn't get my head around it and it was fascinating how you can go from the beginning to the middle to the end in a visual way and I found that absolutely fascinating and I've just been fascinated with it ever since. Well you know I think sometimes it's the story the storyline that makes the film. Exactly yes. And mean, you know right. you can go into uh, visual effects and technical but I find if the story and characters aren't in there for me personally after a while all the sort of the the, the, the effects no, you're, you're absolutely right there, and I think what you're talking about, the evolution of cinema with sound and with silent movies and with black and white and with colour. I think when we got to colour, we got to the point of realism because we see each other in colour, we can hear each other. And I think cinema had finally caught up with what was real. And then we got to this ridiculous stage in the 80s where we started using special effects and then you used 3D and then we used... 4D and then handheld cameras. And it sort of took it away, took the storyline and the plot away from what was actually authentic because they based the story around the 3D or around the handheld camera or the special effects. And the story was lost. And that happened right into the 80s. And it just sort of ruined cinema for me. And I think we're slowly trying to get back into it now. But yeah, I think from the 50s onwards, I think the movies that you look from the 50s to the 80s, I mean, they're beautifully done. And they were the best kind of films that we haven't sort of revisited yet. Any favourites over the years? I've got many, Anna. There's too many, as you all know, as a film fan, there's too many to learn. One of my personal favourites, I think, was Rope from Alfred Hitchcock. I think that film was ahead of its time when it was done. It, there were so many things that were done that hadn't been done before. If you haven't seen it, it's simply a story of two men who've, not spoiled it if I say this, but they've just killed someone. And then they host a dinner party with the dead body hidden in the room. And they're trying to prove to themselves that they're dominant enough to hide the body and get away with murder and it was so ahead of its time i think it was the 50s that film came out and not only that the film only had four or five cuts it's it's shown in one continuous shot and with hidden edited cuts and i don't think anyone's done that before 
And as you know, as Hitchcock went on to do in his career with Psycho and then Birds, killing the main character off after 30 minutes, introducing colour, the blood, the violence. I mean, he was at his peak in terms of rediscovering how to do a plot and suspense. But yeah, Ropes, a favourite for many reasons, the performances, the style, the way it's been done. But there's too many. American Beauty was a great film, I thought. It was done like a stage, and I think the story was really good. I think the best kind of stories are the ones that are more are raw. They're not sugar-coated with special effects or over-the-top performances, I think. I watched Manchester by the Sea recently, and I thought that was quite a good story as well. There's just too many to name. Citizen Kane's another I'm one. I'm ready for my close-up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but these films, I hope, with people born past the 80s, I'm having trouble finding people who've seen these movies. You might have seen Blade Runner in the 80s, but when you talk about Rope or Sunset Boulevard or even Citizen Kane, yes, you've heard of it, but have you seen it? And it's, it's hard to accept that people haven't experienced these beautiful movies. Yeah, I think Rope, Deer Hunter, Apocalypse Now, they're beautiful movies. I was talking about Metropolis from Fritz Lang. I think that's a beautiful movie. Again, for its time, it was amazing. What's your favorite, Anne? It's funny. I love movies too. But less the more recent ones. I kind of like the film noir, Maltese Falcon, Casablanca, yeah. you know, the classics. For many reasons, a lot of it has to do with the storyline. But also, it's strange. But the role of women, I find the older movies, especially the, the film noir, but not only, the women are stronger. So the roles for women, yeah. you know, in the earlier movies were stronger. I don't know if society necessarily was that way then. Mm. Whereas when we got to the more recent movies, and maybe it's changing now, but for a while it seemed, to me at least, that women were more props. Absolutely. And I thought historically it would have evolved differently in society, maybe, but not necessarily in film. No, I completely agree with you in terms of uh, women's portrayal. I think right now there's this sort of fight, this sort of witch hunt to get things done. And all the causes are correct, but I think the approach is awful. Because now when you see a movie that's been nominated for an Oscar, that's been directed by a woman, you have to second guess it and think, is it authentic or is it because there's a protest about it? And I think if you look back to the 50s or 60s, there were strong women characters in movies and there was no protesting going on. And that's someone noticing that a woman can do a great job as a director and even as an actress or even carry a film for 90 minutes. And I think if you just look back in the history of cinema, you can see that's so evident in many films. I go back to Hitchcock again. I, I love, I think he was ahead of his time. And I think Kubrick and Ridley Scott sort of followed in his past of using these really dominant female characters. And I think it's sort of portrayed into what we've had in the 70s and especially now. But I think there's a real question about women in movies at the moment. I think there needs to be more women directors. There's so many at the moment, but not many people have used in mainstream Hollywood and I think Hollywood is a reputation for not exploiting as many women directors at the moment because there's so many there's there's loads especially in Europe as well and they've done some fantastic films and no one knows who they are and no one's seen their films and we need to access them well together. you know what we just need overall more diversity and that's changed absolutely so that no. is good that it's, part is definitely good and my perception it is changing Morella what about you do you have a favorite film well I have to tell you, I've really enjoyed Lena Wertmuller. She did some really fascinating ones. I also remember growing up with Catherine Hepburn, 
and Joan Crawford and Betty Grable, Betty Davis Eyes, and Rosalind Russell. Now, those were some dames. <laughs> and they would dominate the screen. And I loved them. And they carried movies. And they were beautiful women, but they weren't a Barbara Stanwyck. You know what I mean? Like they carried movies because of their intelligence and their charisma and their portrayal of strength. Those were really the heyday of some really fabulous female actresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would agree. Ash, just because, you know, you're in, in England and yeah. we're in Canada and North America, do you notice a difference in style or storylines or characters between American films or North American, Canadian versus European or other countries? Yeah. Back when I was doing film class, I mean, the mythology about the difference between North American cinema and European cinema is always about the directors. I mean, with a American movies, especially of Hollywood, not necessarily North American, the studio has a lot of say in the final cut of a movie where in Europe, it's only down to the directors. The studio would allow the directors to have full control of the movies where in Hollywood, the studios would jump in and say, we don't like this, we don't like that. You need to change the ending. And that's, I think, the biggest difference in between North American cinema and European cinema is the director is in charge of the film, where in North America, technically the studio has the final say and I think that's been one key difference and that's not always the case throughout time that's changed but in terms of in terms of the plot you I mean you can really see the difference in terms of genre and how you tackle a certain genre with Hollywood it's kind of sugar-coated in a way where it's enjoyable and it's entertaining to watch especially with the western movies which really kick-started the action genre and that sort of developed heavily throughout the 80s and the 90s, and then special effects came into the scene. With Europe, I mean, they didn't even try to use special effects. I think their approach to storytelling is more raw and authentic. I'll give you an example. I mean, I'm not interested really in horror movies, but George A. Romero did uh, Day of the Dead, and he's famous for doing zombie movies. They were fantastic, and they were ahead of their time. And then if you look at how Europe approached a film like that, there's a film from... Um, female director who did it and it's fantastic i think it's julia but i can't remember her last name she did a film called raw don't know if you've seen it it came out in 2010 and it's exactly the same story but it's done in the most authentic way there's no special effects done more of a medical thing of a, a woman realizing that she likes to eat flesh and i think it's a very good example of understanding the difference between how europe do it and how america do it there's a really sugar-coated approach in North America. And in Europe, they do it very authentically where it's relatable. It's, there's no explosions. That's not always the case. And I think America have actually decided to start doing movies. And like Lars von Trier, that Danish director, he started to attract American and Canadian actors to do films. And, you know, like, again, I'm going back to Hitchcock as well. He came to Hollywood and did his films and he still didn't have full control of it as well. I mean, you look at Robocop and Aliens, you have the movie that's released, then you have the final cut 10 years later, then you have the director's cut 20 years later. So you can see there's no control there. But I think, speaking from Europe, I like both of them. They're both good for different reasons. So, but in North America, do you know it's a big change when you watch European movies? Well... I just remembered Lena Wertmuller's film that I really oh. loved. It was called Seven Beauties. Seven Beauties. And it takes place in just post-World War II. Mm. And there is nothing sugar-coated about it. It was done, I think, in the 70s. 
It's very raw. It shows the ugliness of people. So a lot of times in North America, they tend to want to show soldiers and war heroes as these people that will go and fight courageously without even, you know, one hint of cowardice and throw themselves and yeah, yeah. save everybody. Whereas Seven Beauties, for example, mm. in the Italian home, because you know the Italians, there's his grandfather and he has all these flags of different worlds. And yeah. I think it was his granddaughter says, Grandpa, no, no, why do you have so many flags? He goes, it depends on who wins. <laughs> That's who oh. I'm supporting, you know? And wow. just to show people can be beautiful, but also you can get too syrupy and you can get kind of like believe your own nationalism and patriotism a little too much. Little and bit, then yeah. you get exceptionalism, which is not healthy. No, no, absolutely. completely agree with that. And I was just wondering what you think, Ash, for the years you started the conversation earlier, the mm. black and white, well, the silence, the talkies, and all the way to present. What do you see as a difference in terms of evolution, aside from technology, or in style, or in storylines, or character? Is there anything like that you can summarize as an evolutionary trend? I think the problem is we're looking for a trend to latch onto to evolve cinema, and the The point of cinema is to tell a story. And I think people have got caught up with trying to make it better visually. And I don't, I don't accept that at all. I think you need to just tell the story from A to B. Like I said, a fable doesn't need to be glamorous. You just need to get the point across. You just need to get the point that the moral of the story is this or that. What we're doing right now is fine. The Lumieres in 1895 just had a train coming through a cinema and people ran away. That was amazing but they didn't have a jump cut. They didn't know how to move the camera. And then we moved the camera and then we had sound and then we had color and then we had dialogue. And then we could start telling stories because we had all the components. Now we have special effects, which is fine. We can maybe juice up some scenes that need to be juiced up like war films, for instance, that's a great movie to do. But I think it's just become overzealous and it's good at the start. And if you approach it correctly, it's fine. But right now, I think we've come to a point where we're sort of coming back to simplicity um, because we've had, you know, the 90s and the 2000s have gone for over the top plot lines. You know, now nonlinear is a really good thing. I mean, Rashomon actually attempted to do that with the Kurosawa movie in the 50s. And he did that beautifully. And, you know, Tarantino did it with Pulp Fiction and remains to do that. And he gets inspiration from old movies as well. But I think that's the clue. I think we're actually coming back down to simpler storylines i think if you look at the films that have actually won the oscars the storylines are so simple citizen kane's storyline is simply finding out what rosebud means so that's all you need to find out but now you, you watch a film like tenant which came out and christopher nolan's a great director but the film is confusing to so many people and my dad who's in his 70s goes to the cinema to watch a film like that and it's, he's like hey, i don't understand it if i took my dad to watch citizen kane You know, there'll be an applaud. It's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. But I think we're coming down. I think we've reached a peak of special effects and 3D. And I think that that ship has sailed now. That's going out the way. I think people have accepted it's not as good as it should be. I think now we're coming back to get rid of special effects, get rid of this 3D nonsense, get rid of, you know, these complicated storylines. They don't need to be complicated. Just tell the story well, and that should sell tickets. And I think that's all we need to do. 
I tend to agree. And just wondering your perception too. You mentioned your dad and we're the late bloomers, booming boomers generation. So wondering, how do you see older characters being portrayed in film? Historically and presently, and not only actors, but also crew, directors, producers, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's very hard. Thankfully, Clint Eastwood is still alive and he's still doing films and he's still directing films. And he's been directing films for like 40 years and he's been starring in films for four years. And if you just look at, uh, I'm going from my dad, by the way, he's a very big Clint Eastwood fan. But if you just look at the evolution of Clint Eastwood's films that he's directed, not starred and directed, you can see the evolution of what he's, he's trying to adapt to. If you go back to like the Honky Tonk Man to Unforgiven and Million Dollar Baby and then just did a film about you know, American Sniper and then the 15, 17 to Paris. He's adapting to time. And this is a guy who's in his 90s, who was at the peak of Hollywood, who survived the 70s, who went through the 80s, and he was consistently doing films. So if you just look at his filmography, if you look at Clint Eastwood's directorial filmography, you can actually see firsthand visually how he's adapted. And I think that's a really good like guideline to how people should see. I think he's doing it for an audience of his generation. And my dad loves every single one of his films. So, and you can see the subtle differences in storytelling. He hasn't changed the story. The story is always there. The special effects is always low key, but slowly and surely as we've gone on over the years, he can add this and he can add this. And I think that's very important. But I think there's also an element of trouble because I think we're going a bit bonkers at the moment with storytelling. The sequels coming out and the remakes that are coming out is just ridiculous. That needs to. I watched Rebecca the other day, which I couldn't watch the film without thinking of the original. It's very hard to watch Rebecca and not think of it. It doesn't need to be done. And it's good for a reason of saying, well, this is a remake. Maybe you should watch the original. And that will entice people to watch the original Hitchcock movie. But other than that, I don't understand why they're doing it because I think they're running out of originality. Well, you know, sometimes that's what it is. They want to take a different take on it and kind of yeah. cheapen it in a way. I don't know. What do you think, Morella? I was going to ask you if you think that this COVID and shutting down big movie theaters, if that will change the big special effects movies, will we start to see more independent movies, small productions rather than the kind of blockbuster like I personally I never got into the whole Marvel DC world yeah, yeah. but that was taking over the movie theaters it was it was yeah absolutely yeah you're absolutely right with that I think with COVID it's done something awful because go back to Christopher Nolan's Tenant that was one of the first movies to be released after the the hour lockdown in Europe and it didn't do well at the box office no. it it wasn't because of the movie. It was because of people not going to the cinema. And I remember a time when people would dress up to go to the cinema. They would make an evening of it and it would be a fantastic evening and you would lose yourself to that film and it would be a great evening and you'd talk about it. Or even if you'd watch a series on TV and you wouldn't be able to watch the next episode until next week and you'd have to wait a week until the next episode. And in between that week, you'd be talking to your friends about, oh, this happened, this character did that. And that's fantastic. We've lost all of that. That's been stripped away because we've got Netflix, we've got Prime, we've got Now TV, we've got Sky, we've got a thousand streaming networks. And I think to answer your question, I don't think it's helped at all because people are now more aware that they can watch things in the comfort of their own homes, not in the cinema. They don't have to go to cinema anymore because they can 
watch something, not in a week's time. They can watch an episode after episode after episode. And they, they can watch a film now, like Mulan was meant to be a cinema release. That's now gone to Disney Plus and they've charged $30 for it, which I think is extortionary. And they're going to keep doing that. I think the James Bond movie, which was meant to be released in September, now October, now it's next year, is following the same pattern. This virus has done nothing for cinema, I think. I don't think it's helped the cause at all. Do you think it's setting the stage for the future of cinema? Or is it just temporary? And how will that getting older population living longer, does that even play into this? thing with is it is efficient i mean my dad doesn't have to go anywhere he can watch it where he's sat and he'll enjoy it he doesn't have to make the effort to go to the cinema and watch it now i'm being a bit ignorant in saying that it was an amazing event to go to cinema and it is and i think you should really i'm talking about the industry in whole going to the cinema to enjoy that experience and i think that's been lost that has definitely gone out the window i think you know 10 15 years ago But what this virus has done is forced us to stay in our own homes. And But yeah, I think you hit on something that I really feel started with Netflix. And that mm. is that the water cooler discussion of a show. Because if you have content, like you were talking about, a good story yeah. that maybe had a lesson, maybe had a meaning, or television series like Mad Men, you would talk about it. Yes. And you would... Engaged. say oh my god where where is he going or breaking bad oh my yeah. god did you see he's like changed entirely where is it gonna go like is he bad is he good that whole discussion yeah. now i'm doing it by myself no you're absolutely right morella that right has been stripped away from us because i have no idea what episode my friend's on i don't know what episode they're going to watch next i don't know if i'm about to spoil it for them And now with social media, we can't post anything. We can't share our views. We're not connecting in the same way. We're not watching that episode at the same time. And I don't agree with it at all. I think what we had in the 80s, 90s and, you know, early 2000s was amazing. And yes, it's efficient in ways and it does help people, especially of an older age who can't get out of their homes and they can watch whatever they want at any given time. And for that reason, it's amazing. It is. But you're also taking away a little bit of magic as well. Yeah, that's true how you watch a film or a series. Yeah. You know, well, interesting you bring that up because Downton Abbey, when yes. it was released in theaters, mm. a bunch of us dressed up. But that's what it used to be like. <laughs> that's how you should go to the cinema. I mean, I remember going to see Batman Begins at the cinema and we were all dressed up. And when Dark Knight came out, we all dressed up as a Joker and we made an event of it. And it was amazing. And, That doesn't happen anymore, and especially now. No. Uh, why does cinema have such a big impact on us, regardless of age? I think people need to lose themselves, and they need to escape real life. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and that is more evident than it used to be. And we're going through a difficult time right now, and I believe it's so important to just sort of unplug and take two hours away from your phones or whatever you're doing work-wise from your friends and just enjoy storytelling or visual storytelling experience. And I think that's so key. I think watching a film without a phone in your hand, without being distracted, without having it in your background, just focus on 90 to 120 minutes of visual storytelling. And it's about the experience. I mean, experience that movie. I mean, I watched Rebecca and I wasn't a fan of the remake, but I still enjoyed it because I gave myself to that movie. I sat there and just focused on it. And I think that's so important. 
And I think the generation that we're, that's coming up now haven't figured that out yet. They don't know what it is to experience a movie fully. Well, Ash, this was very interesting. I hope we Thank can you. have you back again. Yes, yes, yes totally. I will yeah. be very honored. Just let me know. Yeah, and you know your podcast, Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. So our listeners, please check it out. We'll actually post the link on the episode description and hopefully have you back. So thank you very much, Ash. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ash. Thank you. Take care. Bye.